This is Mike Payton with the Lead Now podcast. Today, I could not be happier to bring you two fabulous guests, Michael Lido and Jalen Smith. Michael is the CEO and founder of Rise Sports Advisors, a management consulting firm designed to empower professional athletes to become successful entrepreneurs. He's an established leader, founding and operating three sports organizations over his 15 years in the industry, and currently advises three top NFL athletes. Jalen is a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys and ranked number 61 in the NFL's top 100 list. He's not only an unmatched athlete, but a leader, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. With his own initiative and Michael's guidance, Jalen has founded CEV, Clear Eye View Charitable Fund, and the Jalen Smith Minority Entrepreneurship Institute, as well as a collection of high quality eyewear, real estate developments, an artisan distillery, and more. Michael, Jalen, welcome to the show. Thanks for making time today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It means a lot. Absolutely. So, Michael, why don't you start, if you would, and give us a little two-minute history of your founding of Rise, where you've been, where you are today, and where you hope to go. And then I'll ask the same question of you, Jalen. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, thanks again for having me on the on the show with Jalen. It's an honor. You know, my background is I'm, I'm from Indiana, like Jalen, and... I've always been a serial entrepreneur starting in college. Uh, when I was a collegiate athlete, I founded my first company and ran that organization for 15 years and then worked with a $2 billion hospital to help them develop sports medicine program, which is the largest in the Midwest. And in the first company I had, I ended up uh, divesting it with a private equity firm. And my uncle and mentor, who was also uh, a relative of Jalen's and a mentor of him, Eugene Parker. It was someone I gleaned from for a long time in my life. He represented people like Deion Sanders, Emmitt Smith, Larry mm. Fitzgerald, and was a big impact on my life. And so when Jalen was in college, and he was the best college football player in the country and was coming out, we had had a long-term relationship, and I had been his mentor since he was 14. And I was getting advisory from the private equity firm that I sold my company to and they were consulting me and, and counseling me. And one of my good friends, Derek Smith, was that advisor. And that happens to have a history with EOS. And so when he had such a profound impact on my life and was helping me learn structure, process, helping me improve in my areas of weakness, God had kind of given me the vision that I wanted to be able to provide that for athletes. Mm. I wanted to be able to develop a firm that could help athletes develop their legacy beyond the sport and really helped them focus on strategy, exclusive network, and then uh, accelerated wealth creation and protection. And so Jalen was, who else could be a better first client, right? I mean, Agreed. When, you think, when, we, <laughs> when you think about the, the talent, when you think about the mindset, the grit, you know, all those different things. And so I was blessed to have him as a first client, still blessed to have him as a client and a friend and a partner. And so that's kind of my history and why awesome. I got to Thank you. And Jalen, why don't you do the same? Help the listener understand your journey to become the business person and the professional athlete that you are today. Yeah. So just since I was 11 years old, I've always been observant and curious. You know, you talk about entrepreneurship and, and wanting to build generational wealth and things of that nature. I found out that there's a lot of information out there. 
It's got to be willing to think and, and seek it. Mike being my mentor, like you said, since I was 14 years old, always challenged me on the word and how can I better myself beyond the sport. Um, I've, I've always knew I was so much more than an athlete, but really just wanted to focus on finding the purpose. When you talk about entrepreneurship, it's about knowledge. It's about access. It's about trust and, and, and making sure you have the right people around you. So that's a lot of the reason why I wanted to focus on. I wanted to meet experts who could help educate me on real business, whether it be alternative investing or just from a financial budgeting standpoint and just understanding the terminology um, to where I won't be, I won't have key man dependency. And that's really what led me to where I am today. It's just about seeking. So I'm, I'm blessed to be here and you know, knowledge is power. It really is. It really is. So as you know, this podcast is about deeply examining what good, great leadership looks like, and maybe sometimes not good, great leadership. So I want to go back to the, for both of you, I'm going to start with Jalen this time. I want you to remember the first time you saw someone in your life leading, and you recognized it as leadership, even if you didn't use that term. Who was that person? What were they doing? And what did you learn from the way they led? I would say, I would say I was 10 years old, is my mom, actually. Mm. She worked 14 years at a nursing home. She was an assistant nurse. And since then, she's had a, she had a dream of owning her own daycare. She's ran it for about 12 years. And I'm still trying to get her to retire. She won't retire. <laughs> but that's the first experience I've seen in leadership come from. Um, I'm a mama's boy. And, you know, I would miss her sometimes. When she was at work. She'd work late in I'd call, I'd always call. I knew the number by heart. So I would call and everyone at the nursing home knew who it was. They bring my mom to the phone, but just the energy of every time I went in there, the respect that they had for my mom, how she spoke to people, how she were, who she was able to really create dialogue and um, get the best out of, you know, the people that she was working for and working under and, and just everything like that just influenced me on this is how you need to be. And, and this is how you can take a step forward whenever you're leading someone. So that was definitely the first what, experience. What's your mom's name? Uh, Sophia Woodson. Sophia Woodson. So what do you think she was doing to make people feel respect for her and the desire to follow? Did she had a secret ingredient or a magic recipe for being a great leader? She was able to remove her ego. She understood principles. And then from there, I, I just think it's the relationship she built with each individual. Mm. She knew how to speak to each different person. And I think that's key. And when you talk about leadership, I, I experienced that today as an employee and, and as an a, a entrepreneur, a businessman. Yeah, those are great lessons to learn. And I, my observation is the bigger space you create for your own ego, the less space there is for genuine caring about other people as well. So those two ideas are kind of connected in my humble opinion. Michael, how about you? Tell us about the earliest moment you saw somebody else leading. Who was it? What'd you learn? You know, I can't, you know, pinpoint exactly earliest, but I will say the most memorable. And as I was young, was my grandfather and my biggest mentor, Clarence Fields. Uh, my grandfather was from South Carolina and he moved to Indiana. He married my grandmother, my dad's mom. She had eight kids, and and so he married he married a woman who had eight kids. Moved to Indiana, dropped out of high school when he was a sophomore. I think he didn't get a he didn't get a college degree, 
and started his own construction company doing cement, cement construction company. And so when I go through Fort Wayne, whenever I go back home, I get to see a lot of the homes and communities that I grew up in and stuff. He built the, the foundation hmm. of homes and laid the foundation. I was never like a Jalen Smith, but I was a decent athlete back in the day. And when I was a freshman in high school, I thought I was big stuff at this school because I was the first freshman to ever start varsity. So I was playing varsity football at this, this pretty good high school. And my grandfather was like, boy, let me get you out here and work in the summer. You want to make some extra money. And so I went out and I worked with him, you know, doing the cement. And I never, I never forget, we were at this addition right by Wayne High School. And it was called like Colony Bay or something right across from Wayne High School. And, and it's funny when I see it now, when I went to that addition, there was no home. It was just slabs, you know, gravel. And we're out there in the heat. And this guy was giving a lot of guys who were locked up in prison that didn't have degrees. He was giving them laborious jobs and giving them an opportunity. And he was ministering to them. And my grandfather wasn't much of a talker. He was very humble, hard worker. When he was doing that stuff, hitting stakes in the ground, it was like a competition. Like, you know, and it was just way too hard. So I quit and went back to, I quit like in a week. I was like, bro, I'm going to go back to practice. And learn, <laughs> but I think with my grandfather, what I learned was, and I kind of got this from him, he just set really high expectations for people mm-hmm. in a loving way. And he would love you, but he would set the bar. He wasn't afraid to set the bar. And he was just an extremely hard worker. And I just think there's something to say about hard work in life. You know, people, people talk about entrepreneurship like it's this sexy thing. Unless you've been through it long enough and you find out there's some negatives to it, there's some hard work, there's some grind, there's some responsibility. And so I, I'm just thankful for his leadership and that, that has helped sustain me through some difficult times to let me enjoy the positive times. Yeah, common theme I hear on this show is great leaders don't expect anybody in their organizations to do things they wouldn't do themselves. And so hard, if you expect work ethic from your people and you don't display it, that's a pretty tough, pretty tough message to be sending to all your troops. So uh, kudos to him. And your grandmother must have been quite something. Eight kids moving from South Carolina to Fort Wayne. What a great, what a great story. She's still living. Yeah. Yeah. And what's her name? Mary Fields. Mary Fields. Okay. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Sophia, for your impact on these two fine young men. Let's talk about your experiences with leaders as as you've grown into leaders yourself. And I want to start with the positive. So who's the best leader you've ever worked with and for? Either of you can start. I can definitely speak on Jerry Jones as an owner in building a $5 billion company in the Dallas Cowboys, the most storied franchise in the world the most valuable franchise in the world. I think him just delegating, staying in his sweet spot. He's mastered selling. He's mastered how to get people to work for him and how to get people to believe in his vision. He's the ultimate visionary. You know, me being an employee um, of the Dallas Cowboys, I'm seeing it firsthand. So I would say Jerry Jones is one of the most prolific, I guess, leaders that I've been around. Yeah, great, great answer. I'm glad you brought him up. Let me ask you, Michael, before I spend a little more time on this topic, who came to mind for you? It would definitely be, I thought about it long and hard as Jalen was talking about Jerry. It would be my uncle, Eugene Parker, Mm. that I talked about. I mean, when I was at his funeral, it's always, you know, when you were at his funeral and you got to hear Curtis Martin, and Rod Woodson and Deion Sanders and Larry Fitzgerald 
I'll talk about his impact on their lives as well as mine. And he was just a very meek but powerful man that was very just wise. You know, I'm a little bit more passionate and aggressive by nature. But just like, you know, when you think about the EOS world, I'm a, I was naturally a visionary on the org chart, on the accountability chart. But I have such an appreciation and a value for the integrator role. And so it's kind of changed my Myers-Briggs and my thought process. I I would say him, he just, he had a way to impact and influence and just had wisdom. That's what I see. Hmm. That's twice you've mentioned Larry Fitzgerald and I'm required by law as a resident of the Twin Cities to mention that he's a fine product of, of the Twin Cities. So... Uh, Jalen, let's go back to Jerry Jones. And, and one of the things we talk about frequently on this show is leading is lonely, scary business. And when you put yourself out there, there are all kinds of naysayers and attackers and haters. And, and Jerry is certainly somebody who polarizes. People tend to either love him or, or not love him. And so how do you think he continues to be a visionary and delegate and focus on the future and excellence and all that stuff when He's very publicly, you know, often attacked by people who don't know any better. I just believe he understands his purpose. Mm. And regardless of what, if, if someone's not saying anything bad about you, then there's something you're not doing right. I, I definitely think it's a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. He's completely confident in everything that he tries to achieve and, and, and attempts to achieve. And he gets the job done. And I think it's his conviction, you know, that, it beats out anything else. Mm. And, and and that's what I love. Yeah. Is the feeling in the locker room, do the players and the coaches sometimes feel like he's taking bullets on their behalf? Just curious about whether that permeates the organization he's created. I don't know about any really specific, inf- you know, any, any specifics to that. But what I do know is, you know, whoever he hires, he believes in and they're there for a read. And if they can't get the job done, you'll be replaced. Yeah, confidence in your ability to get results, but at the end of the day, the results matter. Yes? The results matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. One of my favorite leadership quotations is by Simon Sinek, who says, the one thing all great leaders have in common is followers. And so what are some of the leadership attributes you've found? And let's broaden our conversation from, from sports, community leadership, business leadership. You guys are surrounded by leaders from all different walks of life. What are some of the attributes that make people want to follow a great leader? If you could sum it up in a couple words or phrases. For me, it would be, now think about this, in my opinion, I think the greatest leaders are the most criticized leaders. So very often do you find someone of great influence, and I think it comes from authenticity. Hmm. I think it comes from ability to connect with people. So like one of my favorite people is Malcolm X. He was highly criticized, right? But his influence and his impact, I think when you find somebody who like Jalen was just like the whole thing about Jerry, I don't think if you're not criticized highly and judged and disliked by people, you're not comfortable with being disliked by people, you're not going to have great influence or great impact of a leader. So that's, I think it's the authenticity. I think it's the courage. I think those are the things that, you know, great leadership. Great observation. Jalen, anything to add to that? Um, I would agree. I, I would agree. I just say ditto. The best leaders, from my experience, what I've seen, what I've read, you know, there's going to be people that criticize. You got to be able to look in the mirror and understand, you know, who you are and what you want to accomplish. And as long as that belief capacity is right, you'll be fine. 
Yeah, if you don't believe in anything and you don't make decisions and you don't take stands, nobody <laughs> gets angry with you, right? Mm-hmm. So let's flip the coin a little bit. I'm guessing you've all seen less than highly effective leadership in your careers as well. You don't need to mention names here if you don't want, but point to the kinds of things ineffective leaders do that lose their teams, lose the people that want they want to follow them. Tell us about the worst leaders you've ever seen. What I've seen is not a clear focus from a team standpoint. You talk about just in, in business or in anything, whoever the leader is, if there's not a clear focus or, or a clear objective on the mission that we need to accomplish, there can be some problems. I've seen over my life leaders letting their egos get in the way, not listening when you need to listen. Just because you listen don't mean you need to agree. It's just a matter of understanding different perspectives that could potentially help you make better decisions from a leadership standpoint. I guess those are a few, those are a couple things. Really well said. Hear this listener. When you're listening to the people on your team, you don't need to agree. You just need to really hear and understand the perspectives they're sharing because it will help you make better decisions. Really good stuff. Uh, Michael, what about you? What are some of the leadership mistakes you've witnessed in your illustrious career? I would say that like Jalen, I think the, the biggest issue I've seen in leadership permeates from ego, the inability to manage the ego. I would say people who are really good people, some who have good intention, but they don't have clear communication or clear expectations. You know, you talk about clarify, simplify, execute, you know, some EOS language. And I think sometimes when they, they have the inability to do that, I think that people that focus on being right instead of effective, their whole focus is to be right, but not effective. And so if you're focused on being effective, it means you can be wrong sometimes and somebody else's idea was better. And then I would just say some people lack empathy. They lack empathy for people and what they're going through to, to really lead and understand people. That's another really great point is empathy is not pretending you care. It's actually caring, you know, enough mm-hmm. to listen. And it comes right back to what Jalen said there, too. So you two are dedicated to helping people who want to be successful entrepreneurs do so. And so I want to come at that from a couple of different angles. Jalen, I want to talk about the Minority Entrepreneurship Institute and Michael, I want to talk about your aggressive plan to help professional athletes transition from their role as sports leaders to successful business leaders. Um, Let's start with Michael. Tell me about where your passion for this initiative comes from and what you're doing specifically to help more athletes become great entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, well, what we're doing is we help develop and manage legacy strategies that will help elevate professional athletes to world-class entrepreneurs. And one of the things that requires for us to do is very labor-intensive. And so in this industry, it requires a lot of mentorship. Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of structure and a lot of education and empowerment. And a lot of people with these athletes, they don't want to take the time to really educate them. They want to have a very passive approach with them. It's very passive. They engage them, they do things, but they're very passive with it. And so for us, the reason why for me with the athletes, I work with all athletes, but very passionately, you know, the minority athlete, I'm very passionate about because I think the psychology, I'm reading this great book right now called The Psychology of Money. 
Hmm. And it's, it's, it's got me just, I'm just, you know, how you read some books and it just got you going. I'm just going, bro. And this book is why I started Rise is because I want to change the psychology of the athlete. It's not about just the formulas and how you evaluate when you look at the EBITDA of a company or whatever it may be that you're looking at your metrics. It's the psychology. It's the way they view money. It's why they make excuses on why they want to go buy a lot of chains when they're really not that rich. You know, or they got to go by. It's their psychology. Mm. And this book is breaking it down for me where I will go be in their environments and I try to have empathy. I swear I do, Mike. I try to have empathy. <laughs> but I, I go and I look at the situation and their psychology is so off because mm. the sports and entertainment culture is so strong. I was talking to one of my clients who's a superstar in this league, not the one on this call, but another one. And we were talking about how well he does with his budget and how he does in the offseason. You know what he said to me the other day? It was powerful. We had a great conversation. He said, Mike, I do well because I don't hang out with athletes in the offseason. Mm. He said, I can't, man. Their lifestyle is too expensive. <laughs> you know? And so it's just, it's just for me, man, it's, it's really helping them, you know, mm. empower them to be. When you see Jalen Smith and you, you know, it, Working with Jalen inspires me every day because it's like looking at what motivates you to continue. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You see somebody, I see him, how he handles criticism. I see him, how he handles success, you know, and all those different things and his passion and desire to want to help other people. It's awesome. Like most of the time I got to stop him, you know, because he wants to just help everybody. So that's why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. I think we're changing the game. Yeah. It's information. I've, I've dealt with some very big agents lately that said, I've never seen anything like this. And so we're just going to continue to try to let our results speak by their success is our success. Their failure is our failure. And so, you know, that's why I do what I do. Thank you. And I appreciate you letting us hear your passion in that answer. Jalen, what about you? This has been something you've been thinking about for many, many years. We've talked about this before. Talk to us about the Minority Entrepreneurship Institute. It has everything to do with my purpose beyond athletics. I've been so blessed to gain access to quality deal flow, to, to have relationships with the right people, to receive the knowledge from experts on business, finance, and I'm learning each and every day. But for me, it was about, okay, well, how can I help people that look like me get this type of access as well? And this knowledge, we don't learn about, I never had a budget growing up, never knew what a IRR was or EBITDA and gross sales and things. I never knew about none of that type of terminology and how it really relates to life in building your true financial freedom. For me, it was just about, okay, how can I help people get that look like me get this? Two to 3% of venture dollars in this entire country are, is going towards minorities. That's it. And so for me, it is how can I help close the economic and educational gap? That's how AMEI came about. I brought it to my team. Mike, we manifested it and, and was able to bring it to life. So and that's that's really my really my purpose beyond athletics, trying to close this economic and educational gap. We can't have true equality in this world without economic equality. So I got to start it somewhere. Yeah, and I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that access to real opportunity is the key. The individual ability to access real opportunity in the world is just so powerful. And it's, in my opinion, and, and maybe we're going to debate this in a second, but in my opinion, 
that access to opportunity takes all of the control from the government or big organizations and gives it to the people with great ideas, great passion, great work ethic, and says the world really can be yours for the taking. You just have to execute. And that's what it seems to me you're doing with MEI. And I'm excited about it and, and excited for you to lead it. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate yeah. it. So how many entrepreneurs to date have you attracted to the program and helped along on their journey, if, if you had to estimate that? I'd say we had over 300 applications in the past two years for our MEI and our venture pitches and you know access to this cash flow. And what's the, what's the number that we've, that we've selected is six? It's, I think, I believe it's six. Eight right now. Eight, one, we have eight. Okay, yeah, we have eight people in our, uh, eight companies and beautiful minority companies under our portfolio right now. Yeah. So it's going strong. That's we're, exciting. We're having, our show, we're having our showcase 2021 in, in Tampa, Florida. Mm. I have a lot of business out there, a lot of great connections out there. And it's, we're really looking forward to, to yeah. opening uh, the Florida market. Not only that, Mike, but... Jalen has done a great job with the showcases with closing the gap with over the 300 applications, eight portfolio companies, invested over 800,000 mm. into those eight companies and year to date. But then also uh, tomorrow, we have the, the first ever virtual MEI summit, which is to close the educational gap. Mm -hmm. And he has the likes of Charlotte Jones himself, Jules Solomon Burke on this virtual event. And there's over, right now today, there's over 300 people, viewers that are going to be registered for this event across the country to, to close the educational gap. That's terrific. So the good news is we've got thousands of listeners who want to help. So tell us how we can help you to succeed in your mission to provide more opportunity to people of color, entrepreneurs of color. There's a couple of different ways. One, we look for impact investors. So we have a great partnership with a with an organization out of Indianapolis called the Sagamore Institute that works with us, led by Jay Hines. We're a great human being. And one of the things we use, we use a mechanism with the donor advised funds. Mm. Where you can use your donor advised fund to do impact investing with MEI, where you get tax benefit to invest through our quote unquote fund into minority entrepreneurs. That's a mechanism that very few people that are sophisticated don't even realize is available. And so MEI is a leader in that. To help us, we're hiring our first executive director uh, for the organization. And so operational costs are growing as Jalen's reach is growing and everything he's doing. So sponsorship dollars to help us just cover our budget from an operational cost is a thing that can happen. People can obviously you know, donate uh, corporately or individually in that form. And then just quality deal flow, recommending minority entrepreneurs, brown, black, and female to our pipeline so that we continue to build the, the marketplace. Yeah, great. Thank you. Anything to add there, Jalen? I would say to all the minority entrepreneurs that's growing and coming up, being able to get through you know, EOS and the MEI model and structure, we can get them access to books on how to operate their companies and things of that nature. You know, if we, we can get some Gino Wickman, some, some traction books yep. out to all of the guys and all of the, yep. all of the girls that's, um, you know, really trying to build their companies. I think that's something that great leaders do and it doesn't get a lot of attention. Great leaders are, are not afraid to ask for help, hmm. you know, that you are not in this alone. And there are lots of people in the world who may want to help you and you may need to get, 15 doors slammed in your face to find the 16th person who's willing to be a mentor, 
but that mentor may change your life. And so yeah. I would add, please, if you have a great idea and passion for something and work ethic and you need help, ask. And if you don't know where to start, start with one of the three of us. We'll direct you to the right resources for sure. So you know, I, I love the fact, Mike, that you say that because that's one of Jalen, if you listen to what he said in the beginning, mm-hmm. that's one of his greatest attributes when we talked about curiosity. And since he was a little kid and just his ability to be humble enough to say when he doesn't know something and there's not this insecurity stopping it. It's just amazing how you see people like pretend like they know when they don't until they, they live there forever. Yeah. <laughs> so before we conclude, I'm going to go to a little bit of a dark place for a second, but there's a reason I'm going to do it. This is, we're at the tail end of 2020. This has been as tough a year on 50 different fronts as I can remember in my lifetime. And I'm at least twice as old as you two. How do you stay positive and focus on the positive impact you can have in the future when you seem to be surrounded by all these negative inputs? It's deeper than me, it's deeper than us. Think about who came before us, all the people that suffered and gave their lives to get us to where we are today. You know, even though it's still not where it needs to be, that's not an excuse to stop. So it's just that everyday drive of trying to help, trying to help my people, trying to help this world. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Michael, anything to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's just, well, one is your relationship with God, right? It's the higher mm-hmm. power. It's knowing that. But then just hope. For me, when you see the recent change in our government recently, and, you know, I'm celebrating Kamala Harris coming out to Mary J. And, you know, just, I told someone this the other day, and I think about EOS with this. Someone asked me, well, Mike, what would you think about the previous president's platinum plan and the terms and all this stuff for the black community? And I said, this was heavy. And, you know, I said, listen, man, hopelessness is the enemy to justice. So when you look at EOS, EOS is about culture. It's about structure. It's about all those different things. Jalen's every day trying to improve the culture in his locker room. It matters when you get on that field. The culture matters. You run a company. Someone can help you get the best bottom line and the best profits, but if your culture is horrible, so at what point in this country is everybody concerned about their taxes versus the culture of the, of the culture? You can, I told the person, you can have the best game plan, but if Jalen don't have the culture to go execute it, why does it matter? You can have the best tr- strategical plan, the best EOS structure, whatever, but if you don't have the culture to go execute it, what does it matter? So, you know, for me, it's just, it's having hope and focusing on what we can control and focusing on the good people like you, you know, like you're always going to have that negative. But if you focus on that, you focus outwardly instead of inwardly, then the outwardly can affect your energy. Yeah, And I think I read something into what both of you said. I'm going to combine your inputs into one thought for me, because I feel very hopeful about the future. I'm frustrated with the present. I think if you're if you're not, you're not paying attention. Um, but I'm hopeful about the future because I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs. And entrepreneurs wake up every single day and have had something served on their plate they don't control. And in many cases, that's something they don't want to eat. And yet every entrepreneur wakes up every day knowing that there's nobody else to turn to but themselves. And they say, what can I do? What can I do tomorrow to make the following day better than yesterday. I believe that if all of us just own that responsibility to make a little bit of progress every day, take the first step, 
you know, we don't have to do it all tomorrow either. You just have to take the first step. And so that's what I hear in your in your thoughts is both hopefulness and purposeful action to make the world a better place. And uh, working together, we can get there. I hope you'll agree. Yeah, 100%. I love what you said at our symposium when you said athletes are entrepreneurs and you broke that down. And I think about Jalen, man, not trying to, you know, boast up Jalen or anything, but it's like when you talk about being alone, me and him were having a conversation two weeks ago and he told me with conviction. He said, you focus on the business stuff, you do what you do. I'm the only person that can change what's happening on the field. And that is what you're talking about with entrepreneurship. It's yeah. You're backed up against the wall. Sometimes all you can do is look at you. I mean, I told you, this is the best. What he's doing right now with the Cowboys is the best training. He won't recognize it until he gets out of there. Yeah. What they're going through this year, you're going to go through that in business. <laughs> Every year is not a record year. So, Jalen, Michael, what a great pleasure to spend time with you today. Please tell our listener where he or she can go to learn more about YouTube. Jalen, why don't you start? Thanks, guys, for taking time. You can learn more about myself at jalensmith.com. MEICapitalFund.org, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And I'm always here to learn and to educate. So I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Jalen. Appreciate it. Michael, what about you and Rise? Yeah. RiseSportsAdvisors.com or Rise Sports Advisors on Instagram. Uh, LinkedIn is the best way to find out and learn about us as well. That's it. All right, everybody. This was Mike Payton with the Lead Now podcast. What a great episode. Thank you both for being so generous with your time. Good luck for the rest of the season, Jalen, and good luck to both of you for all the cool things you guys are doing to help great people have access to great opportunity. If you're interested in applying what you've learned today in your own business, the five books in the Traction Library can be helpful resources on your journey. You can learn more about those five books and actually order them at a deep discount by visiting eosworldwide.com.